Sorry, Mikey has something to say. It's okay. Now my cat's yelling now too. And now I've created the situation where the dog gets pet when he barks. Like that's how I stop him from barking. So he just like comes in to get his love after barking, after doing something bad. Um, anyway. Okay. Sorry, Aaron. We're going to restart now. I understand, Sarah, you took a uh, break from CrossFit to swim run this weekend. Oh, Kelly, I wish I planned to swim run this weekend, but my swim run partner ended up in hospital on Friday night, so we couldn't do it. So I was very sad. <laughs> but she's okay. But she's okay. But she's okay. Yes, she's okay. <laughs> to finish that story. Apart from my sadness about swim run, that's the obvious tragedy here. She's also okay. That's, yeah. I was actually hoping that you would be able to tell us what you had learned and improved on now as a, veter- as a swim run veteran, <laughs> what you were going to do differently. Well, I think, well, last year we did some debriefing, didn't we? After our swim run. Yeah. I think, what are the things you would do differently? Okay, first of all, I definitely would have uh, practiced my, or done more time on technical trails and practiced kind of just like thinking quickly on my feet. Because as we know, I was slightly slow on some of the technical sections. I did actually, because since Leslie and I are doing the same swimmer and racer and I did later this summer, I did actually tell her, you better practice rock scrambling because Sarah held us up on that. I did hold us up. <laughs> Although thankfully there was no way we were going to catch the first place. So I True. didn't stop us from getting second place. But True. if I had, it was close though. I think it was close <laughs> to me stopping us. So, um, yes, definitely practice technical. The other thing I would have done is do a better, like a better job just of looking for the markers. Like, cause you know how we got lost? We got lost. Yeah. I think we could have, I, I think I was switching off a little bit and just following a trail. Right. True. And then if the trail divided and you didn't notice, you had to always just be aware of looking for markers, which is actually kind of hard to do for five and a half hours. Yes. I, I know. Last week at Victoria, I had to be aware of not getting hit by a car for two and a half hours. It's hard <laughs> to stay focused. But I'm asking because every week I actually get questions about swim run. I feel like it's the most common, one of the most common things people ask me besides uh, how does being a journalist work is what do I need to know about swim run? Oh, I'm thinking of doing a swim run. What kind of gear do I need is the question they always ask. Do I have to buy all that shit just to try one? And I'm always like, eh. No, I think the answer to that is no. Like, I think if you cut the legs off a regular wetsuit, that you're okay in terms of the wetsuit, right? And then you're just wearing running shoes, compression socks, I thought was really important so that your socks don't move around. That was an important thing. Yeah. That someone told me before, like not the high, I wore like shorty compression socks that held in place really well. The other thing that I loved, that I loved doing, but also that was really useful was doing practicing. So even though you and I weren't together... My friend Karen and I, the one who got sick last weekend, it is now okay, did a lot of practice like with the tether in the water and just and swimming and getting in and out with the shoes on and just all those little things that you don't want to be doing the first time on race day. So it's fun, but it was also extremely useful. True. Yeah, you got to practice. I'm going to tell Leslie she needs to be practicing. She might be listening to this. Leslie, you need to be practicing. And in all fairness, though, the swim run wetsuits are quite handy. Like you don't need one. You can do whatever you can do whatever you want. This is still a sport where people are figuring it out. But the swim run wetsuits are definitely very handy and like designed for this shit. So if you can borrow one, borrow. Yeah. And then remember how we made our tether the day before? It was really easy. I actually still have it because I was like, well, that worked. I'm not throwing that out. So I think that's what we're going to do. You have the tether? Uh, Yeah. And like a box here of swim run stuff. I've been looking for my tether. Oh, I don't have yours. Maybe that's why I can't find it. Well, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> well, That's we just got sidetracked. So. 
Um, yeah. So what we did was the day before we went to Lowe's and just bought like a little thin piece of bungee, right? Which just comes on a big spool. You get some carabinas and you just tie them on. It was really easy. It was like really intuitive. Guys, Sarah is saying the word carabiner there in case you were wondering what she was saying. Okay. <laughs> in Canadian. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, if people have specific questions about Swim Run, just just ask. We will answer them right here on the podcast. Okay, coming up on the show, we speculate wildly about the future of Iron Man. The new wave starts in Kona. How can we get more bang for our buck in recruiting more women into triathlon? A voicemail from our favorite mom and peeing in the transition tent. Kelly, I finally got my shipment of noon up here in Canada, and I am so excited. The last couple days, I've been going to CrossFit with Noon Hydration Sport watermelon flavor, and I have been loving it so far. But I want to know from you, what product should I try next? Okay, so you're trying the tablet. So the Sport tablet is the one you drop in your water bottle. They also have an immunity tablet for you know when you're feeling sick that you can drop in your water bottle. And I've been trying the, or been using the Noon Rest which is for recovery and relaxation. It's like chamomile flavored. It has magnesium and potassium in it. I you like drink it before you go to bed. Helps you recover well. You sleep great. It's fantastic. Okay, awesome. I'm totally going to try that tonight. Okay, if anyone at home wants to try, go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off. So Iron Women is our sister podcast. Noonlife, N-U-U-N, life.com. Give it a try. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ass Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's riding, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisty's If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race it So Kelly, before we start talking about Iron Man's spectating, spectating, speculating wildly about Iron Man's long-term plan, I do want to do some feisty shout-outs. So are you going as to, you know, <laughs> that makes it sound like your shout-outs are going to be feisty. Let's see. Like oh it was gosh. an adjective. Yeah. That's a, I know that's, oh, now the pressure's on. Okay. So as if you're a regular listener, you know that we launched a couple months ago, we launched Patreon, uh, which means you can join our community now. Yay. And I want to do a couple special shout outs. Okay, ready? Okay. Okay. Tell me if this is feisty enough. <laughs> I don't know how to say things feisty. Okay. I want to thank specifically this week, Alexis Lockhart. This is in alphabetical order, by the way. Betty Janelle, Christina McDougall, Gabriella Nunez, Jennifer Volman, Peter Seller, Robin Pelton, Sarah Gott, Celi Gutierrez and Taryn Spates. So thank you all. You should have an email from Ellen 
And if you're listening, send us your t-shirt size. Only two of you sent your t-shirt size. We need that so we can send you some feisty shirts. So there you go. And if you haven't, listeners, if you haven't already, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash live feisty. That was, that was moderately feisty. It was okay feistiness. Yeah, I think I let down. I, I feel like I did not hit the feisty okay, bar. Okay. We well, we'll have there. many weeks to practice with more of our Patreons. With more shout outs? Yeah. Okay. So in news, though, this week, Sarah, there was a couple of things. First, Iron Man announced like the day before Iron Man Boulder that this surprise was going to be the last ever Iron Man Boulder. Which was like, oh, sad face. Um, yeah, because everyone loves that race. Yeah, apparently, it doesn't actually sell out, though. It's like at 50% capacity. And there's like all these weird issues with the city, like permitting and like little right. internal shit. But then, like four days later, they announced where the new Midwest Iron Man is going to be. Ready? Announcement, guys. Announcement. Is an announcement coming? The inaugural certified Piedmontese beef Ironman Tulsa will take place on May 31st, 2020. (laughs) You guys don't understand. They use the word certified Piedmontese beef like 30 times in the first paragraph, two paragraphs of the press release. I mean, I I feel like you should maybe read an excerpt for the first paragraph. (laughs) Well, okay. I, I mean, it's fine, guys. I eat beef. I feel bad making fun of beef, but... There's nothing wrong with eating beef. It's just repeating the word beef. Over and over. And certified Piedmontese beef <laughs> over and over Piedmontese. again. And uh, they also, <laughs> they also, as part of this effort, will be donating 2,000 pounds of beef. <laughs> I just think, I don't know why I think <laughs> this is hilarious. And I, I'm sure the people who will be eating it are very appreciative. And I'm sure Tulsa's a nice place, but half the press release is dedicated to talking about how great a place Tulsa is, which really makes me feel like Tulsa paid quite a bit of money for this. It even includes a quote from, I don't know, the guy who like heads up visit Tulsa that says this marks Tulsa's reemergence as a world-class city, (laughs) which just feels like, guys, come on, you can aim higher. But it also makes me wonder, Sarah, this is what I wrote about in the newsletter. And this is what I can't, I can't figure out. How do all of these things fit together into like an overarching strategy for Iron Man? Like, sure, maybe Tulsa paid them a lot of money. And so it makes and it like makes sense as a place for a race. And maybe Iron Man Boulder like wasn't working out because of permitting issues. And those decisions make sense. But how does it fit into like a larger strategy for where Iron Man is going? Three year, five year, 10 year, 20 year plan. Do you have any sense at all? Because I no longer do. Yeah, I have no fucking clue. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. No Fantastic. <laughs> no, I really, I don't, I mean, I mean, I guess it makes sense if they cancel one then, cause we were asking before why they're expanding when a lot of the races don't sell out. So I guess if they cancel one thing, you have to have another thing. Yeah. They also have not said, you know, how St. George is coming back as a rotating full every three years that will be rotated yes. with two other cities. They haven't said yet what those two other cities are either. So I'm a little, I don't know what that's about. The moves in North America are weird to me. I don't totally get them. I understand a little bit in a broader sense, like internationally, what Iron Man's doing, that they are pushing into underserved markets. They very much have said they have their eye on like China and Asia. Um, obviously, they're introducing races like all over Southeast Asia and the, the Mideast. And so like, I get that. Iron Man also, I don't know if announced is the right word, but they filed for an IPO this week. And I understand you read the entire thing. What is it like a hundred odd pages? <laughs> so what they filed, this is what, what was actually like, not to be like super specific and in the weeds here, but 
Summarize 126 pages. 62. So Wanda Sports Group, Wanda Sports Group filed with the SEC, like their initial draft IPO registration, essentially, which is the first thing they file is like 162 page kind of overarching document about the general finances of the company and the industry and like any potential risks and growth factors. So Iron Man is just a part of this, of Wanda Sports Group. Um, There's also like a number of other things. But what's interesting in that 162 page filing is basically you have to disclose uh, company financials that up till now have been private. And you have Mm. to disclose like risks and odds and like other things. So you cannot totally infer Iron Man's financials because it's part of a larger company, but you can figure out the one thing you could figure out was that Iron Man, like specifically Iron Man and Iron Man 70.3 races, not just like the other things Iron Man owns, you know, mm-hmm. are responsible for about a third of the mass participation segment of the company. And okay. that they make just under probably a hundred million in revenue a year. Iron Man makes about a hundred million under. Oh, that is an interesting stat. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, here's the most interesting fact in the entire IPO. Iron Man pays Marvel comics for the use of the Iron Man brand. Ooh, does it say how much? No, it doesn't say how much, but it says that they have a contract licensing agreement with them that pays them a fee and also guarantees that Iron Man, the triathlon will not use Iron Man, the superhero in any branding. Right. I know. Very random. I know. Very random. But so those were like the numbers that everybody was interested in. What I found interesting was the whole section on like risks and potential growth. Cause you can kind of Ooh. read between the lines and maybe okay. we can uh, infer here, Sarah, what the three year, five year, 10 year plan is. Okay. So what did you glean? Tell us. They want to expand in China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for that. Great yeah. No, that they, uh, I mean, basically they're like, Hey, triathlon's growing. And like the people who do it are really, really wealthy and are willing to pay us a lot of money. I mean, it pretty much says that, that registration fees are really, really high because we are a premier brand and people are willing to pay us a lot of money. So we're like, we're the place that like Iron Man's the place to come. Like, Right. It can only expand. Uh, and they basically want to expand internationally is pretty much the. What were the, the risks? Point. The risks are that it will go badly. <laughs> That's what you got. <laughs> 162 pages. No, like but it might go badly for you people. These risks that are like, we might not adapt to the changing sports landscape. True. We might have trouble in China. True. Like yes. we might lose our licensing media rights, which is where we actually make like a majority of our money true that it listed all these risk factors with putting on mass participation events like and they had some very specific examples like weather and then the next year registration was down or like when someone dies it's bad for our in a race it's bad for our business <laughs> you're like true right. doping has kind of caused some like branding problems for us <laughs> you know and so it listed all these risks with obviously having mass participation events it also noted that you know they're heavily dependent on city permits on volunteers like all of that could just right any kind of this business you kind of feel like it could just go away right like it could just not work out yeah or it could um what's the right word like it could be suddenly seen differently in the public eye and all the volunteers disappear yeah i mean they uh, make a hundred million dollars maybe they should have a business model that isn't based on volunteers just gonna (laughs) put that out there (laughs) i under whatever anyway so 
I don't know. I feel like actually what I got from the IPO and what I get from the sense, even that they are doing an IPO, because I think the rumor was they were looking for a buyer and they couldn't find a buyer. This, this wild speculation, but it's rumors guys. And so then they went IPO. All of this to me says that they don't have a larger strategy and plan that they're kind of like trying to figure it out. That was what Mm. my actual super reading between the lines, like I'm really projecting here, Sarah. Right. That's what I actually think. Right. So you're going to read between the lines on Iron Man's EPO document. IPO document. (laughs) (laughs) You said doping. I got confused. Um, And then that they don't have a plan. I think because like, I think, yeah. I mean, there are ups and downs to going IPO for sure for to go public, which is like a whole nother conversation. But I, I think they're hoping they like get some influx of cash and they can like buy more stuff and expand more and pay off their debt and it's going to work out. But I don't, I don't think hoping it'll work out is a plan. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Interesting. All right. That's my super non, what is it that whenever you talk to a financial expert, they always give you this caveat. This should not be taken as financial or legal advice in any way. So exactly. And as much as I like, as much as I would love to throw opinions out there, I would be like more than wildly speculating because I have not read the document. So (laughs) we're just going to go off. We're just going to go off that one thing that I do spend time thinking about and talking to a lot of people about is about women in triathlon. Oh yeah. Really? That's like a thing you're an expert in. Wow. I know who knew. Right. So, and I understand we heard from Torsten Rad again this week. Well, yeah. So last week after we talked about like, well, we've talked a couple of times about how there are more pros in North America and Torsten gave us the numbers, told us we are right. There are more pros in North America, like broke it down for us, but he brought up a very fair point that we've kind of talked about. We mentioned, uh, but talk to him a little bit more about, which is if it's true, we have the numbers, there are more female pros in North America, then does that mean our efforts would be better spent? Like we could get more bang for our buck outside North America. If we want to get more women into the sport, if we want to encourage women grow the women's half of the sport, like fair point, fair question. Yeah. I mean, here's something, okay. Here's something I've learned for sure from focusing on this question for a little, for a little while. And I, I see it a lot in the middle East is that especially in places like Bahrain and in Dubai, when I was there most recently, maybe three years ago, I interviewed a woman who started the first running group for local women in the United Arab Emirates. Okay. And it was called She Runs Dubai, which I thought was a, was a very cool name. And Dubai, I mean, has been a major international city for, you know, decades, right? So it's not like this is the first time, it's not like 2016 was the first time local women had been exposed to running as a thing. Right. Right. And so the reason why there was no local, like the local women didn't run very much is because there had not been a local woman who took leadership on that issue. Right. So I, I seriously believe that like it has those kinds of, that kind of change has to come from someone on the inside standing up and doing something. So this woman decided she was going to start this group. And then next thing you know, all these local women join her and they, and they start running together and they figure out all their issues that they need to talk about together, like clothing, um, where they run, what time of day they run, all of that stuff, because they understand each other. So I think likewise, like, I think you could apply that just slightly less, (laughs) you know, slightly less extreme in terms of like in France, they don't have to necessarily worry about covering and how like what oh well france has like its own special stupid rules about all that but about covering that's true but um you know what i mean right so it's like i think that you and i going to europe and going hey ladies you should be you should be doing more triathlon is good is going to be highly ineffective issue i also think whenever people start talking about like well if you guys because i i mean 
Torsten didn't say it this way, but like we hear this all the time. Like if you cared about getting more women in sport, if you want to get more women in sport, why don't you do X? Like, well, you should be. And I always like and those. It always makes me stop because I'm always like, I don't know that I care actually mm-hmm. secret about just randomly getting more women in sport. I actually don't think I care about hitting some number of women and then like doing the, a triathlon and then leaving. Right. Like I care about, getting rid of barriers and obstacles and creating opportunity and retaining the women we already have and giving them room for growth. Like I care about creating a sport that is accessible and fixes our attraction and retention problems. Right. Yeah. Like, like creating an inclusive culture so that when people do want to join the sport that they feel included. Right. I'm with you. Like I don't care. And I do also care about all people being <laughs> active and, and enjoying the benefits of the active lifestyle, but whether they do triathlon or something else is really not like, I don't care about that because I'm not, well, I am trying to make money in the sport. So it would, it, it would, would benefit you a little bit in a sideways way, benefit me. But <laughs> in terms of my social do goodness feeling, that's not something that's a concern. I'd rather like, we always talk about changing culture. But yeah, I would definitely, I'm with you. And you explained it well in the newsletter this week for anyone who didn't read it. There you go. Go read the newsletter. One thing that changed this week that I feel like, I mean, that, you know, isn't really changing the culture for Whitwick. We'll get there. It all comes together, Sarah, is that Iron Man changed the swim starts for Kona. They announced as we, I think all expected they would for a long time. um, They announced that they would be going to wave starts in groups of ages. So it's like 18 to 39 men, 40 to 44 men, 45 to 49 men like that. hundred percent agree that that helps with the crowding problem. It should help with some of the, (laughs) we're calling it a crowding problem, not a drafting problem should help because like, the people will not be hitting the bike all at the exact same time. It spreads them out. Right. The reason uh, that I, I feel like this gets back to our creating a culture where women want to stay in the sport <laughs> is because the wave starts as announced go pro men, pro women, handicap, uh, physically challenged. And then like 25, whatever it starts with 18 to 20, 18 to 39 men, five minutes later, 40 to 44 men, five minutes later, 45, 49, five minutes later, 50 and up. And then we get like the first women's wave. And then they have three women's waves, five minutes apart. (laughs) I had multiple people email me and be like, wait, am I missing something? Did I read this wrong? What's going on? Yeah. I, I don't know how they can release something like that without realizing that it's going to look like all the women are going behind all the men because all the women are going going behind behind all the men. men. Yeah. And that like women are not as important and we're putting them back there. Like, I just, I don't even know how that got through the filter. Maybe they ran it by some people hundred, like we, like we have all been hearing whispers that this was coming for a while because they knew they, they have been aware of this problem, this crowding problem. So maybe they did run the wave starts by some people and we just don't know who those people are. Iron Man's running their stuff through the wrong people. Right. I'm just going to say, I don't know anyone they ran it by. I haven't heard anything. And I think the other thing is like, okay, we can see it a hundred percent. This is like a math equation. Like you're just trying to space out the bulk of people. Fine. Totally accept that. I still feel like there was a way to do this. That like in the newsletter, my suggestion was pro women started. I forget what it is. Six thirty five. Yeah, that's right. Start the the big age group, the big group of age group women, the eighteen to thirty nine women at six forty five. That they're not going to catch the pro women because they're slower. And then give like twenty twenty five minutes, and then start the men's age groups. And it'll and that'll spread it out. Like yeah, some of the age group men will catch some of the age group women on this. Like. 
but it'll be more spread out and there's fewer women and it won't be as, and the speed differential of those front age group men catching who they catch will be so much right. slower it'll it won't so make a ma- it because won't there'll be a 25 minute gap yeah between the between the fastest age group women and the fastest age group men and then if you right. did that that would give the front of the women's age group race a clean race right you yeah. could also like put 10 minute gaps later if you like that's an option too instead of five minute gaps like i've seen that at world championships where they would do like depend you know how they'll like space it out they'll do like a slow wave and then 10 minutes and then a faster wave and then yeah move it like it doesn't need to just be in chronological gendered order it could be all <laughs> however it, it could be moved around the way they let they, the way they put it out with just like the men yeah like you say in chronological order getting older and older and then starting the women and them getting older feels like there was absolutely no thought put into it like it feels like they just laid it out <laughs> five minutes apart and put where i think there are like your suggestion is a great suggestion um there are multiple permutations of this that they could have considered because obviously there's two things to consider there's getting there's a swim mm-hmm. right which now all the fast age group women are going to have to swim through the men which is terrible right, right. and then there's the overcrowding on the bike i don't know I, it's probably the more sizable problem to be it's the bigger through. problem for sure is like when everyone hits the bike but still i mean but think about how much it would break up the packs if you had the men's groups starting even further apart from each other exactly like spaced out so you would really break that up a lot more like there's definitely a way to do it that's going to be, be- not only just be perception wise better and make it look like you're actually thinking about the women and prioritizing them, but actually be better for both the swim and the bike for the men and the women. So I don't understand Andrew come talk to us. Like I don't, this was, this is terrible. It's pretty bad. I do feel like they, um, I mean, I actually respect, I've seen some, pretty solid like wave start calculations at other races i feel yes. like it used it used to be like all not all over the it looked random but it wasn't it was actually like very yes. thought through where like they would start the fast women first because they wouldn't catch the pro woman and then they would have a slower women's we heat and then a fast men's heat and then a, and they would like it, it i Remember feel like i don't Vine see Man? that anymore yeah they had a really good and at first you looked at it just like you said you looked at it and you thought it was why? random this this looks weird, but then they had really thought through how the and I understand that Vineman, like an, an everyday quote unquote seventy point three, is a different right. thing than the world championships. But then it's just like different moving parts, right? There's still there's still like way better decisions that could have been made there. Anyway, I, I'm seriously disappointed. I just feel, and I think multiple people felt like this, and maybe this isn't true. But then you have to go back to culture and how it is perceived. I just feel like they started from the assumption that the women should go at the back, and they want us to prove and argue why that isn't true. Instead of starting from the assumption that like clean slate, everyone deserves an equal race, and then figuring out what's best from there. That's what I feel like. That was my takeaway. Yeah, I don't even feel like they want us to prove it because it's already decided. So like nobody's asking us to prove anything. Well, yeah, but I think that's like if you came to them and were like, why'd you do this? They would be like, well, tell us why you should. Right. They want like an argument for why it shouldn't be that way, as opposed to an argument for why it should be that way. It's like the difference between what is the just like one time I was like, hey, I said this to like whatever the Iron person at the summit. I was like, hey, I thought I was surprised at the 70.3 when they have the two day that it's not going to be rotating like men first, women first every other year. Like I just assumed that that would be the case. And they were like, we have, nobody's made that argument to us. Well, we haven't heard any complaints. And you're like, why should I have to make that argument? That seems like the obvious, <laughs> it's really, why do I need to start from right. a place of like, if you're, yeah. Like if you're, if your baseline assumption is like, how do we make this the most 
fair and equal for everybody, then you would have already thought of that, of having the days alternate. Right. right? And then but you would be telling not me, thinking that way. Right. And then you would be telling me why that's not possible. Not like, oh, I'm, nobody's brought that. Right. Anyway, okay. it's a different of, of perception. So <laughs> anyway, uh, we want, I want some opinions about this. I want people to send us messages about what they think about the new Iron Man wave starts. I'm collecting them. Oh, good. Send them. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of opinions, <laughs> we have one from your mom. Yay. We haven't heard from your mom for a couple of weeks, so we're very excited. Well, I just want to say that I agree with Sarah that it's irritating when people don't try their hardest. Come on, people. Why are you even doing this if you're not trying? But there's a difference between trying your hardest and being, I don't know, an asshole about it. This whole idea that just being obsessive, compulsive, type A is automatically an asshole, I take offense to as an obsessive, compulsive person. One would hope that it's possible to really care about something without making other people feel bad. Kelly, I love when your mom agrees with me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You like put a little box, you're like keeping score. Yeah, it's, it's very affirming. It's very affirming. But the other thing that, that your mom does actually for me is that, you know, when I make a point on the podcast, I'm, I'm often thinking through it for the first time and I say like a million times mm-hmm. and I don't explain myself particularly well. So she does, it's just she takes an argument and she puts it succinctly into one minute. And I appreciate that. So <laughs> thank you. There you Debbie. go. <laughs> I will agree that the worst is when people pretend they don't care when they're actually trying really mm-hmm. hard, but they're like, oh, I wasn't even trying. That's my... Yeah. Or, you know, when you're, it's like when you're, um, when you're biking mm-hmm. beside someone, right? And you're like, this isn't hard for me. Is it hard for you? Oh, and yeah. you know, you're like kind of playing that game. No, it's not hard for me. Is it hard for you? And you're like half wheeling. They're right, like half right, wheeling. Right. You. You're like, <laughs> exactly. Like Just call it an easy ride, guys. <laughs> you're going all out. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Okay. After the break, we're going to talk about peeing in T2. We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. Get 30% off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. And don't forget to order your feisty gear at LiveFeisty.com with the code RIDING to get a 20% discount. Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so somebody emailed me this week who was volunteering at the Ironman Boulder race, and they were in the trans T2, the transition tent, and they said basically a bunch of the pro women came into the transition tent, sat down in the chairs, and when they got off, there was like puddles of pee. And they wanted us to, one, they wanted us to tell the pros to stop doing that. I don't think it's just the women. Pretty sure the men, good to guess they do that too, though I've never been in a men's tra- changing yeah. tent. So they want us to tell them to stop doing that, but then also it's raised a lot of questions. 
why Sarah why why I only learned like last year that this happened at all like someone told me basically one of the like a volunteer told me that at the end of the day there's just like puddles of pee everywhere and I was like what that's crazy (laughs) okay I've definitely seen this before I've never done it but i've seen it before but okay are you someone like can you pee no on the no bike? i don't pee to, like, i have once but it was only because i was so um having so many issues i ended up in the med tent anyway but no i pee running so basically as soon as i run out of the t- transition tent i start peeing and i end up all oh you can yeah. pee running so because i have problems peeing like i can un- the reason i can understand making this choice even though i don't think it's <laughs> no it's choice, not a it's not a good choice volunteers. but the reason i understand is because i can't it's hard for me to pee in uh, motion so like on, if I pee on the bike, I have to be going downhill. I have to stop all movement. I have to relax. Like there has to be no one around because I get like scared someone's going to see or like anything little that would distract me. I can't do it anymore. Um, and I definitely can't pee running unless I'm having, like you said, like right. a medical issue. I cannot pee <laughs> on the bike. I like have only done that once and it was, yeah, medical. I usually can pull off peeing swimming, but like I basically end up slowing down and getting dropped by the pack at the end as I'm peeing and running, run. I basically pee almost every run. Not like Wow. That's, I, that's just my, that's my solution. You just pee. I think you're in an unusual category there. But what I, the thing I do understand is like when you sit down on that chair, it's like a toilet. Like it's the same oh, position. Man. Like you're Guys, like, you're no. like physically, See, I'm going to take a hard moving. stand here. Down. Do not pee in the changing tent. Other people have to come in after you. <laughs> like if you got to pee, yeah. like go into the porta potty, put your sit on there and put your shoes on in the porta potty and pee in a porta potty. Then you can like get your shit done. In both ways, right? Don't pee where the volunteers have to clean it up. They're not getting paid yeah. for this. Like, that's terrible. Like, don't do that. Yeah, I agree with that. It's about the volunteers, right? So, like, I don't care about the public peeing and peeing on bikes and peeing. Like, because that's that's what happens in sport when you're trying to race for money. But, yeah. When, when somebody has to clean up after you, that's another thing. And when they're a volunteer. Yeah, no, that's no good. I, I do. I did hear one time. I mean, there have been instances where people gotten penalized for peeing, even while running, not like stopping and peeing in someone's yard, like doing the like peeing while they're running and they were penalized, which I think is crazy because I'm pretty sure we all do that. So I don't really know. There are some races. Yeah. So I think it was Copenhagen. It was somewhere in Europe where we interviewed someone in Konak two years ago, Jean Calong, the French yeah. pro. And she told a story like she got a penalty. Right. In a race in Europe, I, I just forget what it was, for peeing on the bike. So literally someone saw like the right. splash. Or whatever. There was a guy <laughs> and, who and got penalized, penalized I want to say at Boulder a couple years ago, for peeing while running, which means you had to like really be watching, right? Because <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, somebody was watching that. You're like, you're like, no, that was just the I will tell right? you, so, so the re- one of the reasons this has never been a problem for me in Ironman is like... Usually there's just like something, something resolves itself. And so at Kona, the only time I've ever gotten a penalty because of the crowding issues, I was like, well, I'm going to use this opportunity. And then I was standing on the side of the road, like right next to the penalty tent, peeing while I was serving my penalty. But then I got worried I was going to get another penalty, Sarah, because they definitely could tell. So I was standing there dumping water on myself, just be like, just stand here dumping water on myself. That's amazing. And did you get away with it? Yeah. Yeah. See, you got to think. Yeah. It was already, you were, and you were kind of cleaning up after yourself. Exactly. You really, this was just thoughtful all around. You people can tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're